Somehow I want it to end with Slayer. I'm really wanting it. Somehow I need to get that down to, to, to Slayer, but I, I'm not finding a good way. So let's move on. This is why we are the presidents of Hollywood and we decide what to finance. Lots of KY jelly. I'm like, yep, screaming mad George. Movie freaks. Does that make us shallow? Probably, but that's okay. Movie freaks. <laughs> shallow freaks. Movie freaks. Then all of a sudden it's over. I'm like, uh, no. This is basically the sexy version of the human centipede. Movie freaks. Hey, how tall are you? Uh, 5'9". And I'm 6'2". That's pretty good. Waiting for you to say, I didn't know they stacked shit that high, but... Yeah, eh, that'd be the easy one. I'm not gonna... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to Movie Freaks, the only podcast on the net that, with our powers combined, can see over a ten-foot fence. <laughs> we, are, we are superheroes, you see. Unite. Unite the powers. <laughs> uh, I'm Eric Marner. And I'm Eugene Weaver. And how are we doing, sir? Doing well. Had a busy day today, but that's a good thing. And it's, I'm, I'm, uh, one tall Starbucks deep. And now I'm one glass of wine deep and a glass of whiskey in the waiting in the wings. So life is good. Yeah. All right. Yep. Kids are grandmas and yep. I'm, I'm at the whiskey already. Yep. <clears throat> Yep. As my kids are outside screaming their heads off at each other, because it's, it's, that's what you want to hear, you know? Oh, that's all my kids do. I went up to get the one up from a, the nap, his nap today, and he was not in his room, so I thought, that's weird. I was in his sister's room just tearing shit apart. Mm-hmm. It's like, because spraying, why not? Sp- you know? Spraying cl- spray cleaner on her mattress. Just, it was soaked. Oh. Wow. Thanks, kid. Wow. Yeah. You really know how to fuck up a Monday. It was yep. it was so good until now. <laughs> oh yes, yep. I would have story. Yeah, but I, actually, my story is my my son Hudson. He he reeks, and I'm not sure why. Like he smells awful tonight for some reason. I'm like not sure if it's just playing a lot or you just didn't quite wipe good enough or something's not kosher here. Something is off. Combination um, of the two. Or yes, and I'm like, and of, and of course, that's just like dogs. They want to be around me, and I'm allergic to them. He like, <laughs> like very much today. He wants to be close to me. It's like he knows. Oh, I, I smell like shit, so I should stand right beside Dad every minute of the day that he is actually at home and not at work. Yep. And so it's yep. it's sounds <sighs> we're outside and it's all uh, humidity's nuts, and I'm I sweat like profusely, and I'm just sitting there around the trampoline like you guys go play. We got trampoline and swing sets and. Do they want to do? No, they all. They just want to sit on my lap. Let's just, yeah. I just oh. as much skin on skin contact. Oh, as I, it's like, the worst. Just get off me. Get away from yes. me. <laughs> yep. Oh, we were like right before supper. We were playing Legos, and and he was right beside me. I'm like, and it, that's when I, I'm like, it, he can't smell that bad. And I just leaned over and just smelled his head, and I'm like, oh, it's the whole, it's the whole thing. Everything <laughs> about you right now really is just. Shitty. <laughs> You're just firing on all levels, Hudson. Yes. I love it. <laughs> oh, but movies, movies. Let's yes, <laughs> yes, movies, uh, and hopefully we have some to talk about because I think it's been a whole. Uh, this is our second episode in like four days. We're really yeah, well, actually, them you out. know, I I didn't get all of my recently watched from last episode covered, so I have a couple f- since then, and then some of the older ones from last week that I didn't get to. So I'm I'm in good shape. 
Well, I'm in good shape too, but it's backlog stuff. There was actually one that I forgot about to to tell you. I was excited to tell you that I watched, and I forgot to write it down, and then that totally got skipped. So I will definitely be hitting that one tonight. All right. Amongst other things, I want to surprise you with that I watched. Hehehe. <laughs> All right. Oh yeah, I actually have one too, but yeah, we'll. We'll, we'll get to that. save that for later. Let's All first, right. First, let's cover the Let's grenades. get to the gems in the rough yeah. as we dive in the ocean of cinema and the roulette. Always looking for them gems. Uh, it was to the bone up against Chasing Coral, and you are up first, sir. Okay. Chasing Coral. This was the safe pick. Am I right? Yep. Yep. And as I suspected... It was totally safe pick. Uh, it's, uh, it, it, I mean, if, if you're at all interested in documentaries, even the title alone will, you'll know what it's about. It's about, uh, basically scuba divers or people that are interested in coral reef and what is happening to the coral reef around the world because of climate change, which, of course, you know, we all know is a complete hoax. You see? Yes, uh, um, Chinese. <clears throat> yes. It's amazing to, to see this. Uh, especially having seen the, uh, what's the Glacier movie that you told me about that was fantastic? Oh, we've, I, we've watched like three of them, so yeah. I can't remember now what it was called. The one where the giant piece broke off in the end. That yes. One, that was the one where they were filming the icebergs yes. over a long period yes. of time. I, I don't know what it was called, but. Well, that, that one there, they actually got the director of that movie to help out with this because it was so good. I would prefer, I think I would prefer the Glacier one a little bit more. That was so fascinating. But this one here, this one here is honestly even more depressing than the Glacier one because you literally see coral dying, uh, over like months period time. It like, it changes from vibrant to white. It's dead. And, and we know why. I mean, it explains the reasons and it's like, this is, this is the reason. Um, but as beautiful as it is, it, by the time it was done, I'm like, I'm sad. Like, that's depressing. And I'm not sure how I can help. In the very, like, the last minute, they say, here's how you can help. But it's, you know, it, you know, it, it's support these organizations, which is awesome. That's great. But it's just, it's such, it seems like it's such a huge issue. Like, one of the guys that they got to help build the camera, it's the same setup as the Glacier yeah. one, where they take the cameras underwater, but they are, this here seems to be a lot more difficult, and they have a lot more issues that they have to deal with, with it being underwater. But he gets really, he gets really emotional by the end, because he has seen this stuff firsthand, and uh it's like, oh man, you're, I get you, man. I, man, I'm getting all teared up too, just watching this, and I, I've never been scuba diving in my life, but it's, it's, this is really happening. And so anyway, it was a great movie. It was fantastic. It's probably a one and done just because of the heavy subject matter and how real, I mean, how real this is. Um, not that I want to turn a blind eye to it, but, um, I totally understand what you're talking about. It's, yeah. it's not like, Hey, let's go watch that one again. We, that was fun. It was but- so good that I actually watched the end credits because they had, they had pretty coral stuff in the very end. And it was just beautiful. The whole movie was beautiful and heartbreaking and, uh, highly, highly recommended, but it's not a, it's not a movie that you're going to probably want to watch over and over again, as far as documentaries go. Right. So. Okay. Uh, over on my end, to the bone. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ellen, a 20 year old with anorexia nervosa, goes on a harrowing, sometimes funny journey of self-discovery at a group home run by an unusual doctor in Keanu Reeves. 
And I said last week that I was worried this would be a little too cutesy, hipstery, and people whining about, you know, young people whining about problems when they've never had real problems and yada, yada, yada. And I'm happy to report I did not feel that way about this movie. There, There is a little bit of hipstery stuff in it, but it's not at all the way that I thought it was going to be presented. Um, I... I, at the, in the end of it, I liked this movie more than I thought I would. I really like the first two-thirds of it. And then in the third act, it's going along fine, but there's a couple of scenes in there where the, the story... story <laughs> vague talk ahead. Kind of shifts for a couple of scenes in the relationship with her mother. And a couple of weird things happen that they linger on far too long and shouldn't have been in the movie in the first place because it was just like, What? Why? Why? Why Why is this happening? This is stupid. And then the movie kind of goes on again. And it just, that moment just did not work in the film. But the rest of the movie then did work very well. Like, you literally could have just chopped out that one little stupid scene, and I would have been, I would have given this a much more thumbs up, and maybe even recommended it to you. I don't think you would like this movie. I'm not recommending it to you. Okay. I quite, en- I, 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 don't, I didn't quite enjoy it. I, it was... It, it changed my mind about what I expected it was going to be in that these are, these were very real issues that these kids were dealing with this anorexia stuff. And it was not like I'm trying to be beautiful stuff. Nobody yeah. in this movie was trying to be beautiful. This was a bunch of kids with God awful parents all the way through. That's what I see in this. And I want to change some of the terms that we use when we discuss millennials and hipsters and yada yada a lot of times people use millennial and they all oh, they're lazy and they're entitled and you know what growing up in the 90s as a gen x kid they said the same shit about us yeah you're lazy you're entitled this generation's the worst ever you all suck you're never gonna slackers. amount to anything slackers you're all losers millennials i feel for you so if we fling those terms around loosey-goosey i'm not talking to you and a lot of the times in this especially in this movie where just at at first glance, these kids might be might look like, oh, it's just a millennial loser, whatever. No, their parents suck at every turn and are not raising people to exist in the world. You know what I mean? They are handicapping their own children by either not being there or by being shit when they are there. Is it uh, baby boomer type parents? Kinda, but I'm not even talking like abuse. I'm just talking like neglect, like. Uh, it, so it was frustrating on that account. Keanu Reeves is fantastic in this movie, and everything he says is right on. He treats these kids kind of the way that they should have been raised by an actual parent. When they show signs of self-doubt, and I'm just scared of this, and I don't know if I can do it, he, he treats he's doing a, uh, what do you call it, a um, unorthodox treatment. Okay. So he talks to them in a different way. So when they say, oh, the, about their doubts and concerns for the future and whatever, he looks at him and he says, when you hear that voice, you just look at that voice and you say, fuck off. Oh, nice. And, and go on about, you know, stuff like that, where it's like, you yeah. need to hear that kind of stuff as a kid, especially in those dark, in those dark teenage times. Um, if you're just raised by these inadequate people, it's, you're screwed from the get go, you know, to have such terrible upbringing, in my opinion. It, it's, uh, it's almost worse than abuse because then I mean, I mean that in a physical sense, not a sexual yeah, sense, but like, yeah. because some of those kids, they'd learn to be tough. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I'm saying it just, these kids are so emotionally handicapped because of this stuff. And then it, 
They don't want to eat. I, it, it was just not what I was expecting. And in the best possible way. If it wasn't for that one stupid fucking scene, I would have been much more into it, but it pulled me right out of the movie. I was like, this uh. is dumb. This should not be in here. But it sounds like, uh, you give it a, th- a not, maybe not a huge thumbs up, but definitely worth a watch. I'm not sure if I'm going to watch yes. it, but. Yes. I'll tell you, I was fascinated the whole way through, and I don't think you'd be bored. It, it, it would even give you some insight as to what some of this generation, the millennial generation, what might be some of what we perceive as damage. Yeah. Is because if you're being raised by parents like this, then I, I understand why you are the way you are now. Um, uh, I, but it's oh. hard for us to understand that because we certainly weren't raised that way. I'm yeah. your best friend in the world. Uh huh. Must be buddy, buddy. Yeah. No, that's not, that wasn't, that wasn't how it was at all. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Not even a little bit in, in my household. That was yeah. not, we're, we're, we're friends and parents second. Nope. <laughs> no. And it was a lot more than that, the neglect in this movie. Uh, yeah. it was a lot more than just, oh, terrible. Just terrible. Her father, they had group sessions and stuff. Her, and they kept waiting for her father to show up in several different scenes. And I'm like, oh, I wonder who's going to play the father. Um, yeah. Wasn't in the entire movie. Because he bailed on everything. You never once saw him. Ooh. He is busy, has to work. You gotta pay the bills. Like, your kid is in and out of institutions, and you're, you can't, I, <laughs> like, wow, you're terrible parents. That's yeah. all I have to say to you. Uh, anyway, to the bone, I recommend it. But, uh, not for Eugene. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, okay. Next round. Okay. So, heading your way on the roulette, all three of these are found on Voodoo Free. I scrolled through Netflix and I was like, you know, no, I'm just not feeling it for Netflix this week. And I'm not going to give you crummy VHS transfers from YouTube. So, over to Voodoo we go. First That's up. That's fine. Yeah. First up is a movie called The Dentist from 1996, directed by Brian Yuzna. And this stars, amongst others, Corbin Burnson and right. Ken Foray. And, of course, the great Mark Ruffalo is in this. Oh, nice. Way down there. I mean, he's like, he's down the list of actors in it. So I'm guessing he's probably a, a victim victor. number five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, an extremely successful dentist goes off the deep end after he catches his wife cheating on him. So I'm guessing it's one of those 90s slashers. We fun. Okay, next up is uh, Hell Baby. And this one here is from 2013, starring, uh, I really like this guy, by the way, Rob Corddry. I think he's really, really funny. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, and this one here is from the guys behind Reno, Reno 911. Um, an expectant couple who moves into the most haunted house in New Orleans call upon the services of the Vatican's elite exorcism team to save them from a demonic baby. That sounds fabulous. Yes, it uh, does. And last but not least is a, it sounds like a Carrie ripoff to me. Uh, it's a movie called Tamara from 2005. Tamara, an unattractive girl who is picked on by her peers, returns after her death as a sexy seductress to exact revenge. And now, covers... about Tamara. Yeah. I didn't mention this before because I wanted to talk to you about it on the show. I feel like either I watch that trailer too many times or that either that or we both watch this movie and hate it and fast forwarded through the whole thing. Oh, that, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I remember Rage Carry 2, but I don't remember this one. 
I, man, I, I remember what the girl looks like, and I remember some of the scenes, but I'm not sure if I'm just remembering the trailer or that I fast-forwarded it. Yeah. I just wondered if you had any insight on that. It doesn't matter. The, okay. the cover, I, I know the cover. Like, it's, there's the teenage-looking lady holding the axe. I'm like, yep, I know yep. that. But, I mean, that was after my stint at the Video Connection in 2005. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, mm. all right. Anyway, and they're all roughly around an hour and a half, so there you go. Okay, back to you, or coming to you. Oh, God. Yeah, wow. Boy. It's a Monday. It's been a hell of a Monday, dude. Wow. <laughs> uh, Backcountry. Actually, I was going to throw the um, two that I did last week back at you, because I, unless you're utterly disinterested in them, the uh, cave and demon inside, or do you, do you want those to keep popping up on the roulette? I will, but I just, I went to check horror, and I found a couple that I hadn't seen before. Um, yeah, ca- cave might be interesting. The other one I did some looking at, and poof, that one... <laughs> uh, we get some pretty bad reviews. All right, we'll save that for a time when there's absolutely no horror and Eugene has no choice. Then uh, I will. But yeah. until then, backcountry. A getaway in the woods is a perfect way for a city couple to relax, but it doesn't turn out to be a teddy bear picnic. Terrible synopsis, but it, yeah, the couple goes backpacking and then they get lost in the middle of God's nowhere, and then there is this gigantic, crazy grizzly bear. I actually went and watched the trailer for this one. Passes my trailer test in spades. Nice. Next up, the houses that October built. You haven't seen this one? Nope. Oh, this passed my trailer test like oh. home run. Uh, it's a kind of a found footagey thing. They're trying to, they wanted to be scared, really and truly scared. And in the end, they got exactly what they came for. Uh, these guys go are into what they call haunts, which are eh, haunted houses that pop up in October. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they were trying to go around the country and filming and looking for the absolute scariest one, the one that really scared the shit out of them. And somebody tells them about this secret one. And so they go down there and they're in the middle of nowhere in Louisiana when the all of the crazies start coming to them and trying to scare them. And it looked like we're doing this as a TV show or our homemade found footagey thing, but it looked like it had real potential. Nice. And okay. lastly, your safe pick, Theater of Life. You're not going to pick this. No, I'm uh, do- but, docu- yeah. <laughs> It sounds good. Documentary follows Chef somebody as he opens a soup kitchen to cook gourmet meals for the needy uh, from food waste from the 2015 Milan Expo. I don't know what that is, but it sounds great. Okay, you get to go first. Um, I think that I'm going to go with Backcountry just because Grizzly Bear, uh, wilderness-type survival horror. That sounds like me. Houses that October built, that's probably going to get watched, too. And, and honestly, that theater of life does sound really good. I just, I, I got done with a documentary, and I'm like, okay, I'm good on the documentaries for a little while now, so. Yeah, yep. I understand. Backcountry it is. Okay, I am still unsure if I fast-forward Tamara, and I hate the dentist, so hell baby it is. <laughs> nice. I can't imagine that's going to be good for a couple laughs and maybe some gory cheesy fun i don't know yeah why not it's baby and it's hell and as we've already talked about this episode i that goes hand in hand yep and now you have watched reno 911 or you you Mm. are aware of the show okay oh yeah oh yeah good stuff that that actually sold me instantly as soon as you said that i was like oh i'm in okay good good and uh, the runtime is yeah everything about that says that could be a good little roulette movie there yeah we will see next episode back country up against hell baby uh, okay. You ready to move on? Let's do it. Rabbit Trail tonight, I have brought to you three true or false questions. 
Are you ready? I am ready. Now, I came up with some of my own. That's fine. Okay. We'll, we'll go every other. Okay. Go back and forth. <clears throat> True or false, car chases are better when set outside of the United States. So, immediately, immediately, I think of Bad Boys too. Whereas there's the car chase through the South American country and the Hummer, and they're trashing everything. You remember that? Uh, yeah. They're oh, going down the I th- hill. Oh, oh, I thought you were talking about the first car chase. Oh, no, but then there's the car chase on the yeah. bridge in America, and I'm like, those two car chases are so awesome, and they're one set in America and one set in another country. So, like, they're equally awesome, but, wow, that's a good question. I, I, I was It was hard for me to even think of, like, movies where they're in Europe. I, well, I was thinking of Bond movies and um, Jason Bourne, obviously. Those yeah. are some classics right there. Transporter. Yeah, those, oh, whoa, that's that, a... Yeah, that first one, man, that's a, his Audi. Oh, that was awesome. Um, whew, man, I guess, I, I mean, I guess if it's between... America and Europe, I would probably pick Europe, but if it's, you know, America versus the entire world, uh, I mean, I, the, isn't it always? Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Where, where does Mad Max fit into this? Cause Mad That'd Max be is Australia. The, yeah, that's the mother of all carnage, road carnage. Oof. So, <laughs> I'm now I'm trying, even trying to think of a good one set in America. Uh, you know, I really liked the car chase in, uh, the island, Michael, Michael Bay. Well, it's actually the same car chase, some of it. <laughs> yeah. He used some of the same footage from Bad Boys 2. Yeah, and even some of the, uh, well, actually, now that I think of like, the Transformers, as much as I think they're kind of meh, there's some great car stuff in those movies. Especially the first one where yeah. that Bone Crusher takes out that bus. That yeah, so, looks amazing. So that's a tough question. I think I'm going to lean towards Europe or the rest of the world just because. You know, I think about even Fast and the Furious, the, you know, the bank heist stuff. I don't believe that that, because that was my favorite one. I don't think that, that was in America. No, that was South America. Okay. Yep. So, so. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to, I'm going to circle true. Car chases are better when set outside the U.S. All right. Your Good question. question. Okay. Um, <clears throat> true or false? Uh, 4K digital done Right, done right, is better than 35 millimeter or 16 millimeter. And by done right, I mean like the Force Awakens. Well, no, Force Awakens was 35 millimeter. Um, um, uh, the Road or Mad Max or whatever. You pick your pick your newest big budget blockbuster. More than likely, it's shot in 4K or 8K or whatever. Versus old school film cameras. Hmm. Oh, that's a good one, man. Uh, and to I'm clarify, gonna... I'm not talking about the junk that pops up on Netflix every other week. That's <laughs> that doesn't. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> talking about legit good movies. Yeah. Um, 4K better than 35 is basically the question. True or false? Yeah. I'm gonna say false, and here's why. As I pour myself another tasty bev. With 4K, you have to have the exact right setup for it to look good, right? Yeah. I don't have 4K. But I know even with 1080p, you gotta, well, yeah. 
You have with 4K. Now I'm gonna. That, that's the stance I'm taking. With 4K, you have to have the exact right setup for it to be its show itself off and be its best. Whereas with 35 millimeter, you can watch it in various different forms and formats, and it still looks great. Does that make sense? Oh, perfect sense. Yep. Like if you watched tried to watch a 4K movie on a what are they called CRT TVs or CRV yeah. TV? You uh, you couldn't even right. I don't, boy, I don't even know at this point because these newer players, they don't even have legacy hookups. It's HDMI or nothing. But that's, that's what I mean. You, I can watch yeah. Star Wars in, on any TV. Yeah. Black and white, anything. And it will still look amazing. I remember watching Star Wars on that little shitty black and white TV in my kitchen oh, when and we, I we watched, were kids. Yeah. And it was still, I was still amazed, mesmerized. Hmm. Yep. What do you think? I, I would agree. And that's probably because I'm old school, but, uh, well, I do, <clears throat> I really do appreciate a very well done 4K movie. But to me, to my eyes, and I've said this time and time again, I can watch some pretty junky old movies that have been remastered or whatever, and they're on Blu-ray, but they're from 35 millimeter cameras that, that filmed them, and they look like a legit movie. Even if it was a lower budget movie, it's still, Something that, like you said, it would look good on a tube TV. Uh, it would still look like a film movie versus these where you have to have the right setup. Um, and it's, it, there's still, no matter how hard you try, there's still that video sheen on it. No matter how hard you try, I think that you can still kind of tell. Was Fury Road... How, how was that? Was that 35 or how was Man, that I, shot? I want to... I'm thinking that it was shot on film, but... I, it just that feels like something that 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 Stephen Miller would have shot in thirty five millimeter, right? Stephen no? Miller. Steve Miller. That's the director's name. No, that's our friend's name. Yeah, well, he directed it, right? Steve. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Steve. Up? What's what's his name? Are you sure? Steve Miller. Uh... Stephen Miller. I, um, George Miller, <laughs> Steve's first cousin, George, there we go, now I feel stupid. Okay. Well, let's get Steven on the show and ask him how he shot the fucking thing, so we can yes, find out. Yes, he would know, yes. <laughs> How'd you get that dude playing the Slipknot rock guitar thing? He's like, I was the dude, that I was my that cameo. Was yes. I was in the mask with the flaming guitar, <laughs> burnt my chest hair off, it was crazy. Perfect. Oh, but you know, I'm not sure. Has Steven Spielberg, does he now shoot on digital? I, I know that even like up to uh, Crystal Skull, he was still shooting on film. I, I don't know, if, man. I, mean, I, don't I think know. at this point, it's Christopher Nolan versus the world. Oh, no, there's still others out there. Isn't Nicholas Winding Refn one of them, too? I don't I could know. It's, that, it's yeah. hard to keep track. Go watch that documentary about 35 or about film versus digital. That'll tell you whose side everybody's on. Yeah. Heck, even Ty West, I'm wondering, I know that Ty West was shooting on film for a while, I'm not sure if he still does, uh, but obviously House of the Devil was very much, that. you can tell that was totally, and I, that's a great example of a movie, you can tell, frame one, shot on film, versus yeah. a one that, we're going to make an 80s movie by shooting digital and then putting a filter on it, it looks yep. stupid, doesn't it looks work. completely different, the lighting is all screwy and wrong, yeah. every time, you can tell yeah. right away. Yep, they're like, oh, you're, it's, it looks like digital noise and, and post-production scratches. Yep. Like, no. Anyway, okay. There's, there you go. So we're in agreement. So, so far we're, we're 
Same opinion. Yep. Now this one here, it's a true or false, but you're going to have to, it's going to be a gauge, I think. I don't think it's just a flat out yes or no. And so we'll probably have a sliding scale with this one a little bit, but I'm curious which, how far that scale goes. True or false? An actor or director, anybody like film creative, their personal life slash politics affect my enjoyment of their work. Okay, my answer that's that's easy for me. Uh, that false. Really? Yeah. One, it helps that most. It seems like most people in like making movies are. are yeah, wait, wait, wait. Let me play devil's advocate here. So you've got an outspoken actor, an actor that is outspoken, uh, a complete polar opposite political view from you, mm. and they got a movie coming out this weekend. You running to buy tickets, or are you going, fuck you? <laughs> <laughs> if the movie is something that I genuinely, truly want to see, yeah, I will. I will. Um, I, that's just me. But again, it's, it's hard for me to take take myself out of that to think... It's, now wait, I, now I did say personal life slash politics, so it's not 100% politics. Yeah. It could be, um. I get it. Like, yeah. well, Jeepers Creepers guy. I mean, ever, Victor himself, oh, I'm gonna boycott him. Like, you know what? He did an awful shitty thing, and he paid for it, and he's making movies. If you don't like it, don't watch him. But he, he did his time. I think it's shitty. He did his time, and I can't wait for Jeepers Creepers 3. And anything else the guy makes that it might be good, I'll watch. The end. I, Matt, okay. okay. That's just me. No, no, that's fine. I, it's, yeah. it's, not, there's not, it's not a right or wrong answer, really. I, I, I think I have a little bit of a hesitation sometimes for this example that I put forth to you. When it's somebody that's 100% polar opposite of me, I'm like, hmm. Yeah. You know, but the, I guess it does depend on the movie as well. Yeah. Does that make us shallow? Probably, but that's okay. Movie freaks. <laughs> Shallow freaks. Shallow freaks. <laughs> You're in Star Wars. You get a pass, I guess. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Pretty much anybody in Star Wars, there you, you get a pass. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Yep. But, but you know, I, I there's even like actors in their or directors or whatever in their private life. They can be perceived as kind of pricks, but it's not like. Well, I don't care about that, but I, I was thinking more about, like, criminal stuff. Yeah. Uh, Polanski comes up all the time in that conversation. Yeah. Polanski and Victor Salva are the two that kind of, they seem to get brought up, like, when one gets brought up, then the other gets brought up. And I I like their movies, especially Polanski, but now, for, having said that, Victor Salva did his time, Polanski did not. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I don't want to go down this road. <laughs> I know, I know. Once I actually watched some documentaries and stuff and found the information about what occurred, I kind of got very wishy-washy on taking a stance on that thing just because he did a bad thing, but they also tried to screw him. Like he was, he was trying to play by the prosecutor's wishes and then they turned around and tried to double cross really? him, kind yeah. him. So kind of, so from one perspective, Everything from a certain point of view. Yeah. Okay. But I, I do feel like if they have an, if, well, maybe that's the movie itself, though. Like, if a movie itself is, is right-wingy enough, you'll hate it. But if it's just got a whole bunch of actors in it that are right-wingy, 
I don't know. I don't know. I throw out, I throw out the latest, the next Jurassic Park movie, and it's, if every actor in it would be a tea party loony, I would still happily pay my money to go see that in the theater. <laughs> That's just me, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to conjure a scenario where you'd be like, nah. But probably only if it would be like a political documentary or something. Oh yeah, then and then I I'm out. But yeah. having said that, you know, I'm like. Oh, Bill Maher made another movie. I'll go see that. Whatever. So I, I, I'm probably the wrong. It's hard for me to. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I can tend to put a lot of that stuff aside too, because you can look at a, a painting and you don't have to like agree with all of the painter's beliefs in order to enjoy the beauty of a painting. Yeah. And movies, it's, it's kind of the same way for me. It's, or music. You know, there's a lot of crazy people in the music industry. Do I have to like do research to make sure that the uh, key grip on this movie was a good guy before I can... Okay, I enjoyed Star Wars without feeling guilty. No, I don't really go for that. I know that's a, a slight example, but... Yeah. Eh. No, that's a good... That's that's a very good question, actually. I, that's We could keep... I could totally keep talking about that, but then it's... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah and spinning our wheels in at that point, because I'll like... <laughs> but I like this person and this person and this person, and they think this, and that's... Eh. Yeah. So, but I do remember, I will say this, I do remember back in the day when, uh, Pearl Jam, Eddie Vedder, and the Dixie Chicks made kind of a bit of a ruckus about their anti-George Bush. And even back then, I was like, how dare they? How dare they? And now I'm like, bam, preach it, man. I, it's like, what was I thinking? And I do like that about America, that it's freedom of speech. And if you don't like a certain president or a, political figure, whatever, you're still allowed to say something about that. And I think what they did was great. Man, that's whatever. Here we yeah, go down that no. slippery slope. Yeah, it's fine. It's whatever. I, I, who cares what these people say? You know, they're just there yeah. to, remember people, you're just there to see their art. You're not there for their commentary on every little yeah. thing in the world. Now some, well, no, that's banned stuff. Cause now, now I'm thinking Rage Against the Machine though, but they have a, their, their whole Motto was based on politics, but eh, whatever. <laughs> yep. I have no idea where we're going with this. No, I don't either. I'm sorry. It's, it's a rabbit trail. We're just going all over the place. Your somehow turn. Somehow I wanted to, to end with to Slayer. I'm really wanting it. Somehow I need to get that down to, to, to Slayer, but I, I'm I not it. finding a good way. So let's move on. Okay. Back to you. <laughs> okay. Um, true or false, it's better to have tentpole movies without A-list actors. And by A-list actors, I, you know what I mean, but I'll explain it. Tom Cruise would be what I consider A-list. Tom Hanks, Will Smith, uh, or whoever the real big name is. I guess Vin Diesel would be considered that right now. But it's better to have tentpole movies without the A-list actors. So I'm not saying it's better to have temples with, but it, this is... I would You would rather see a big temple movie with no-name actors, or I don't want to say B-actors, but just... Oh, I think I've seen that person uh, in that movie. Yeah, unknowns. Uh, yeah, I got you. Um, I think that takes a huge qualifier. What is the property? You know what I mean? Like, if it's an established property, like say Star Wars, then you can move on to the next segment of it, and with a whole bunch of unknowns. And then, granted, Han Solo, Harrison Ford's in Force Awakens, but you're you're, you're re-entering that world. So you can kind of get away with it, I guess. Does that make sense? Like you could yeah. have an X-Men movie tomorrow with all new people playing Cyclops and Jean Grey and all that stuff. And people will go see it because it's an established property. Mm -hmm. Now, if you were going to have 
oh, I don't know, make up a name. Uh, I don't know. I make, make uh, some new spy movie, and it's got all complete unknowns. I think that's going to be a much more, much more of a gamble, at least yeah. financially for the studio, than it would be otherwise if it has complete unknowns or at least one draw, and of that would be an A-list actor. Jack Reacher. How about that? Like that's kind of spy-ish. So take out Tom Cruise and put in a guy that you've seen before. You can't pin quite where you have, but oh, I've seen him before somewhere. Whoever that is, I think you would have to blow the socks off the studio heads to get a wide theatrical push. Yeah. Otherwise, Even, yeah. Even this Valerian movie that I really want to see that didn't do so hot. I wonder if it would have done better had they had a couple of really big A-listers in there, or was it just? bound to just not do that hot over here in the States. I I don't know. It's uh, uh, Actually, that's a perfect example because they're not unknowns, but they're up and coming. Yes. And Dane, Dane Dehane and Claire Devonier or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I recognize them both. From, and they're like, oh, I've, rec- I see, I've seen them before in movies. I'm not sure which, but I've, I've seen them before. Uh, Dane was in Amazing Spider-Man 2 as the Green Goblin, and he was the... Um, uh, fan four stick director, his first movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, main guy in that, and then Claire was wasn't the she in Super Enchantress? She was the Enchantress in Suicide Squad. Oh yeah. As what? you see, everything comes back to comic book movies with me. <laughs> yeah, wasn't she in Super Eight? Was she the younger girl in Super Eight? Uh, no, that was a um, Fanning. That was a fanning girl. Oh, god. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Anyway, I no, she I, don't was, know. I think Suicide Squad might have been her first acting gig. She's a model or something before that. Okay. But there, there you have a new property that's unestablished with some not unknowns, but they're up and comer, comers. They're not a listers. Yeah. And seventeen million this weekend. But then look at something like James Cameron's Avatar. I mean, I, I guess Sam, uh, what's his name? Sam Worthington and Sigourney Weaver, but. But you have an established director there. Like, just, yeah, mind blowing. This is the guy that did two movies, or a movie that everybody in the world saw with Titanic, and he's known for Terminator and, and, you know, all aliens and all this shit. And if you watch how they sold Valerian, it wasn't on the backs of Dane Dehane and Claire Devin. It was on Lucas from the director of Fifth Element and, you know, naming every bigger movie that he's made that maybe you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, Yes, a lot of CGI. Seventeen yeah. million. I, I think it, I, I think it looks wonderful. I can't wait to see it. But yeah, me too. Me too. I'm a sci-fi dork, so yeah. I, I do like to see when I see a, a big, good tentpole movie that uh, that sometimes name actors can take you out of the movie just a bit. I think versus like I don't really know anybody in this movie, and it it can immerse me more than a vehicle for a big actor. Yeah, you don't have to convince me of that. I mean, there was a trailer released this week of some tween sci-fi thing where, uh, I didn't even post it because I was like, ugh. Uh, one of the main actors with crazy hair, all done up sci-fi and crazy makeup, bright colors, it was Oprah Winfrey. And it's like, I'm, you're talking like, and acting like your words should have meaning about these important things. And all I'm like, hey, there's Oprah with crazy hair and makeup. Wow. Yeah. So I know what you're talking about. Like, it can take you out. But it, of the, of the fantasy. But if you have an uh, A-list actor and they're doing a, and maybe an unusual role, 
like Denzel being a bad guy or something, you know, like yeah, t- Tom Cruise being a bad guy. I don't know. D- I, that oh, I could be interesting. I'd like to see that. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tom Cruise was a great bad guy in the Michael Mann movie. Oh hell yes, he was. <laughs> do that more often. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, funny running, funny running bastard. Okay, uh, do your last one and then we'll move on. <laughs> okay, uh, did you have any more? Or was that? That I do, but I don't skip it. Let's just do yours and move on. Okay. I want to I uh, get to recently watched. Okay. Um, so, last but not least is um, shiny new CGI uh, done very, very well will always be better than old school practical, even if it's sometimes fake and cheesy. And I know this is a bit like the 4K versus, versus film, but I'm like, and what I'm talking about here is like, Force Awakens versus the Black Hole. Um, you, which would or you Or how like? about Force Awakens versus the Thing 2011? Mm. The Thing prequel. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, well, that, that's a big, that's a big difference. Like, it's a yeah. big difference, but that's the difference between practical and CGI. I mean, it depends on, see, again, there's a lot yeah, of check marks. It depends on how this, no, look, the practical always trumps, even if it's older and cheesy. But, uh, I mean, it, it, you know, some people know how to use the, the tools better. Yeah. And it's, it's when, when CGI is used to integrate practical into the world, or it's used as background stuff, it's n- when it's not used directly square in the middle as the focus, it works very well. And there's some directors that know how to do that. But then there's a lot of other directors that are like, oh, let's, oh, we need a, we slash the throat. Well, forget getting a bucket of blood. Let's just, we'll CGI that in later. And then it looks like shit. And that's, yes. but that's a square right in the middle of the frame direct effect. You know what I mean? So you're yep. drawn to look at it more direct, directly than if it's just, oh, did you, you didn't even realize that the Millennium Falcon came through that cloud and it was fake. Yeah, I didn't, yeah, I, who would have thought about it? I did, it's not the main focus of the frame. Yep. That's just right. my opinion. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I, uh, I, I think that there should always be a place for practical effects. Uh, I am hardcore. I, I will always, always take practical effects over, no matter how nice and shiny and new the digital effect is. And I, we have seen gorgeous movies that are pretty much all digital. And I, I get it. That's great. But there is something about seeing something on screen, and you know. That was an in-camera effect. There were people down below a, you know, in a hole with their hands up a puppet and there, things were happening and tentacles were real. And uh, of course, the thing is what I immediately go to. The thing is like that is the crowning achievement of practical effects in a science fiction horror type movie uh, done right that they still hold up today. And it's like every frame of that movie, you're like, that was that looks real. Like some of it might be a bit dated, but it's like, it looks like there is a real creature in this movie versus the, versus the 2011 one that had potential, but it's like, Oh, it's now it's fake and over CGI. And you can tell, and it takes me out of the movie. Yeah. It also depends on, on what kind of like on the sci-fi side of it. It depends on what kind of environment you're using and what kind of quantity you're using the CGI to. Are we talking about, um, uh, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow or Episode 2 Attack of the Clones where it's 
bathed in CGI and it just looks like a bunch of actors on a soundstage, that just contributes to the CGI all mm-hmm. looking bad. It, because you know it's all, you're just standing on a green screen. You can tell every single bit of it is nothing. Yeah. Whereas if you have the integration of it, like I mentioned earlier, Bone Crusher taking out that bus in Transformers 1 on the freeway, where that bus explodes sideways. Oh, it's so, so awesome. I know that, exactly what scene you're talking about. That was that great. That effect right there is the perfect marriage of CGI and practical, where you have the real bus exploding and going sideways, but the CGI thing looks like, it, it just, it, that is perfect. That's the way you're supposed to integrate this shit. Yep. But, you know, some guys, I don't know, they just think it's easier or cheaper. I don't, I don't know what the a, appeal is other than just ease, but if you're going to be easy about it, then it's not going to be good. No, you gotta you gotta do the difficult work, and that's practical effects. It is. I mean, I hey, I've never done digital. You know, I, I don't know what goes into it. I'm sure it's not easy, but it just it seems like it would take more time to do practical, like really good practical effects versus. Well, where the where the ease comes, I think, is in doing the setups on the day. When you have to do the practical effects on the day, then you can get like a couple of setups done a day. Whereas yeah. if you can do the CGI, then you can just do a couple and move on. And get a bunch more shots that day, but then your movies, your film suffers. Yeah, it does. Totally does. This is why we are the presidents of Hollywood and we decide what to finance. Exactly. (laughs) Evil Evil Dead Remake is another great example of that was a great use of mainly practical effects with a few digital enhancements uh, to make it fantastic. I mean, that was... When I watched that movie, I'm like, you know what? I feel like what I'm seeing here, most of this... Pretty much is this is real practical effects that I'm seeing here, and so few movies anymore seem to really go for it like that. I think. Well, you're right, but as the sci-fi guy, you're also talking about two different worlds. One is a cabin in the woods in the '80s kind of yeah. setup, with all you need is buckets of blood and some makeup, and you're good. Whereas creating a whole other planet is yeah. a little trickier to practically do. Hey, look at Black Hole. Man, those those special effects, almost every one of them still looks fantastic today. Or Apollo 13, where instead of riding around on wires the entire time, they went up in this vomit comet and had their stage set up inside so they could do actual weightlessness. So you wouldn't have all of the wires that you get from films like Black Hole. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Well, there you go. There's our... <laughs> Yeah. All right. I think that's going to do it for our true or false rabbit trail segment for this evening. Let's move on to recently watched. And you're up first. Oh, man. Are you sure I just got done? Oh, no, you didn't. I'm looking at my, my, nah. I, I was okay. yapping a lot. You're fine. Okay. I'm going to get this one out of the way first because it's the first, it's the last movie that I saw and I can't wait to uh, lambast this thing. But uh, I do want you to pour a whiskey. Oh, okay. Hold on here. I have to look it up on... I'm still working on... I mean, I'm literally double... I'm still literally double fisting Oh, that's just sad. Just a little bit of wine and... There you go. Attaboy. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4. Um, uh, what was it? The Dream something? Dream Warriors? No, that was Part 3. Was that Part 3? I don't think I ever survived Part 4. Are you... Rennie Harlan's? Yeah, I, I I watched part three and it's awesome, and then I started part four and I'm like, it's all the same people again, and then it, and it's terrible. I I don't know. I only got through a little bit of it. Oh wow! I thought for sure that you would have watched this one. Um, 
I I don't know why I well I know why because I will watch anything horror but uh, I'm like eh, I should maybe check out part four again because maybe Rennie Harlan and uh, it's the in 1988 and no no this is officially one of the worst in the series if man, it's not the worst that would be Freddy's Dead I think whatever uh, but this one here is so bad. And I, this used to be my favorite one. This was, this was what? my favorite one. Yes, back, back when it came out, 1988, I don't believe I had watched any of them. Um, and then I would go over to a friend's house and then we started watching and we watched part, well, parts one, two, and three. And then I watched part four and I'm like, that was everything that was cool that, that specific year, which was, you know, the, Leather glam boots, like the <laughs> hair metal boots, and everybody looks ridiculous. Not in a cool eighties way, but in a bad eighties way. <laughs> and it's not scary. It's other than a screaming mad George effect in it. It's not gory at all. It's just what is? Wait, what's what's that screaming mad George effect? Oh, screaming mad George. He's an effects. He's a I think a Japanese effects guy. He did. Uh, he's known for his icky, ooey gooey effects. Um, he was. Bigger back in the eighties, all right. But immediately, like I, during the in the end, in the beginning credits, special effects by blah 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 blah, and I'm like, oh, Screaming Mad George did some of the effects in this. And as soon as the scene happens, I'm like, that's his stuff. I know that's his stuff. Whenever it gets to like lots of KY jelly, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> Screaming Mad George. <laughs> oh, and his cockroaches, and I'm like, yeah, that's you. <laughs> Um, I think he did some of the effects for Society and Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 4. What's and Society? I, oh, Society is about the, the rich country club kids that have this society of uh, shunting each other, which is they, like, ingest each other and, like, it's disgusting and there's buttholes and, oh, it's gross. Oh, that sounds... It's so slimy and KY-ish and, oh, Brian Usna directed it, you see? Who? <laughs> oh. <laughs> he directed the the dentist. Oh, I'm glad I dodged that butthole KY bomb. <laughs> but there is one scene where a guy goes through his own, like, you have to see it. But in the end, there's like a big KY jelly orgy thing where they all become one. Like this this society of <laughs> rich people, teens, whatever, they just start to shunt and they like, they form into each other. And What the hell is shunt? This is basically the sexy version of the human centipede. Oh, kind of, yeah, in a very '80s sort of way. So, but the, yeah, these rich kids are trying to talk this other kid into joining their club. And I, but I have the Blu-ray on Arrow if you want to watch it sometime. But of, of the of, of society, the yeah. shunty society. What is yes. shunty? What is shunting again? Well, shunting is when they <laughs> is that is that the sex? Forget yeah, it. That's, that's, Go back the, to Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, that's when they they. They gel together. In I love a very... how, for those that can't see the podcast, that's an audio only podcast. Eugene is just cramming his hands and fingers together yes, to describe just, shunting because yeah. somehow that makes sense. I don't even yeah. know what that means. Oh, <laughs> boy. Just I just remember one guy together. just goes down through his own, like his head goes through his body and right out the sphincter. Shunting. Okay. Nightmare on uh, Street 4, The Dream wait, Master. Um, didn't that, well, that kind of happened in another movie, a New Bad Zealand taste. movie. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Done Mad George style in society. Oh boy, we're, Much okay. More. Uh, <laughs> so Nightmare on Elm Street Four is Freddy's being comical and haha funny, and it makes me appreciate Part Two all the more as that was kind of the black sheep. And uh, now I'm like, no, that's still like 
it's cheesy but in the best way possible and it's still really creepy and has a nightmare logic to it. This is just it's it was it feels dated like immediately when it was made like a year later it should have been dated cuz everything about it was just so uh not good. And I know that there was there was other movies in the late 80s that I liked but this is like the epitome of not good late 80s. So anyway, there you go. Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4. I, I would say that I'll never watch it again, but that, that would be lying. Yeah. Yeah. We don't do that. No. Uh, put, put part two on my October list. I still have not seen part two. You haven't seen, oh, really? You haven't seen I think the... there's a couple of the later ones I haven't seen. I haven't seen all of four and then five, six, whatever. It gets really Man. weird and I haven't, yeah. Oh, dude. Part two is batshit crazy. Uh, it's well, so bizarro. Put it on my October okay. list. I'll just give you the box set and you watch whatever you want out of that thing. Uh, oh god. Okay. I'll die. <laughs> I should have a review for each of those films. I haven't, I've done it for every other shitty series. Uh, okay. I teased this one last week. Jack Reacher 2, Never Go Back. Oh. Is a movie that pretty much everyone that I know hates. Even the people that like the first one. I really like the first film, so I went in with moderate expectations. I'm hoping to like it more than everybody else. And I think I did like it more than everybody else, but I'm not going to get too carried away with uh, overly loving it. It has some of the same cool things that made the first Jack Reacher film a fun, enjoyable kind of character. Like, because he's such a badass and he's so angry and mean all the time. Um, but it, it added in a few things that I didn't care for, where the plot was just A, B, C, D, straightforward, instead of the mystery that went with the first one where I was like trying to be a detective and figure it out on my own and, you know, was putting clues together before they told me there's nothing there's, you can't do that with this one because it's just, they don't give you any clues. You have to wait until they tell you. Uh, but that being said, it was still an enjoyable film. And I, I feel like it might fall under that category of what you were talking about earlier with, um, a-list actors being in, you know, this might be just a direct-to-video kind of cool movie if it didn't have Tom Cruise in it, but with him in it, he's a little better at the snark of that, you know, is the Jack Reacher character he's been creating, and uh, being a badass, I mean, he's good at it. What are you, you going to say? Yeah, he is. He's a great I enjoyed actor. The, I enjoyed it. it. It's worth checking out. It's worth a watch. Uh, it's on my voodoo if you want to peep yeah. it. it. It's not painful. It, Sounds like a perfectly, yeah, sounds like a perfectly fine movie to watch with my wife. Just like the first one. Yeah, well, it's, it, I think the first one's a lot better, I enjoyed that one a lot better, but it, I'll, I'll say this too, in the third act, he beats the unholy hell out of this guy, and you love it because you have, throughout the course of the movie, you have come to hate this guy so much. And when he beats him, oh my god. <laughs> it, they, they do very good with the choreography with this Jack Reacher character. I mean, when he, throws a punch and a kick, I mean, it hurts. You can almost feel it through the screen. It is direct, it's realistic, kind of-ish, and just mean as all hell. And does he beat the unholy hell out of this fucking guy? And he deserves <laughs> it. Man. Uh, so, yeah, I, enter I, I enjoyed it, but it was entertaining, but I, I, yeah, I'm not gonna, like, die on Jack Reacher 2 Mountain. <laughs> you think they're going to make a part three, or you think that's... Uh, who knows? Done. I hope so. There's a whole series of them, so I think that they should. But, yeah, Well, whatever. Not here nor there. Okay. Back to you. Okay. Let me, uh, quick... I've got my little flask here. 
All right. For those that can't see the show, because it's an audio show, Eugene is uh, peeing into an empty Gatorade bottle. Yep, because it's pre- that time. Pretending it's a beverage. <laughs> okay, next up for me is, and this one here I'm debating on writing a full up, full on review on our Facebook page. But regardless, it's fresh in my mind because I watched it last night. And that is the excellent Belco Experiment from 2016. Uh, Shut up! Eugene's talking about Belco Experiment, you stupid fucking dog. There you go. Belco Experiment. <laughs> go the dog on. got scared. Now, no dogs were here, were destroyed or mutilated in this movie. Uh, yeah, Belco might, Experiment. Might be one destroyed, mutilated during this review. Go yeah. on. <laughs> Greg McLean, director of uh, Wolf Creek 1 and 2. I really like this guy. And uh, the very underrated Rogue, the, the huge... Uh, alligator or crocodile movie, whatever. Oh, I like that movie. Yeah, it's a good movie. Um, so he directs and James Gunn wrote it and I thought produced it, but regardless, uh, it's wrote, uh, and it very much has a, I, you can definitely tell that there are seeds of trauma in here in that it's gleefully violent. Uh, this movie is incredibly mean-spirited, and I, I've been thinking about it all day today. Uh, about uh, so it's a Greg McLean joint. Greg McLean yes. or Mc, McLean. Yeah, Greg McLean. Oh, like, well, because he did the very nasty Wolf Creek, and then you got James Gunn, who at this point, he's kind of able to do his own thing now, and so it's... I loved this. This is a Eugene movie through and through. Fast-paced. Like, I was never bored. In fact, I'm like, ah, they could have almost... This should have been just a hair longer. It goes by so quick. But basically, uh, in a, uh, in Bogota, Colombia, a bunch of people in a high, uh, like this company in a high rise building are trapped in there and they basically their heads are rigged up, uh, kind of like in the Christopher Lambert movie Fortress, where if you don't do what we say, then head goes kaboom. You remember the movie Fortress? With oh, Christopher? of course. Yeah. I own it on Blu-ray widescreen. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right. <laughs> uh, so they're told basically, here's what you guys have to do in order to survive, or this happens, and kablam. And from and that's fairly early on in the movie. And from there on out, it is mass mass carnage, uh, mean spirited. Like it was a couple parts. I'm like, this is really hard for me to even watch. And I watch anything. Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. Is there, this may be a sideways question, but was there any significance to it being set in Bogota, Colombia? I think that's weird. Yes, it, it is. But you have to watch the movie. I'm not going to okay. say. Yeah. I, uh, Fair enough. Fair enough. Yep. But it, I cannot possibly fathom you would not like this movie, especially with how things are wrapped up. I'm like, this just feels like one that you would have a shit eating grin on your face, just like I did. All it right. Was, it was great. And the the lead in it, John Gallagher Jr., uh, and the whole way through, I'm like, what have I seen him in before? John really... Gallagher Jr., was that not, did he not direct that Project Greenlight? John no, Gallagher? No, 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 no. That was, um, I know who you're talking about here. Uh, that that was the Feast guy, not, not yeah. him. Yeah. Oh, uh, this, okay. this guy was, uh, he was the other. Oh, it's an all-star cast. Yeah, he was the other guy that was held hostage in 10 Cloverfield Lane. He was the... Yeah. That guy. But yeah, yeah. he was fantastic in this movie. But there's so many people in this movie that you're like... Yeah. John oh, C. Sean... McGinley is in there, isn't he? Yes. Sean Gunn's in this. And um, 
Michael Rooker is in it. Michael Rooker is great in it. Uh, but it, it, I loved it. I loved it. And I rented it uh, from Family Video, like the uh, what seems to be the last actual true video rental store around here. And I'm like, I am so buying this on Blu-ray when I find it for a decent price because this will be in my collection. But um, it has a hint of uh, Battle Royale in there just because of, you know, the subject matter. Like, here's what you guys have to do in order to survive. That's kind of Battle Royale. Yeah. But, uh, it was great. And darkly comedic, which is, I think, that's a bit of James Gunn coming out in there. There's the Greg McLean nastiness and then the James Gunn dark humor that's I feel like I shouldn't be laughing because this is horrific, but it's kind of funny too. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's um that's Belco Experiment. I cannot recommend it enough. I I gave it I wanted to give it four and a half stars, but I'm like, that seems to be it. I, I I have a feeling that on second watch I'll probably give it four, so I'm just gonna stick with four. So four out of five stars is pretty darn good though. Yes, it is. I look forward to watching it. I thought the trailers were awesome, and I was disappointed when some of my horror friends online were giving it uh, negative reviews, or less than positive. It, you know, like, nah. And I'm, I'm, okay, that's weird. It looked good, but whatever. I wonder why. Like, I wonder what the reasoning was, because it wasn't boring. The acting was really good. The gore was great. It was funny I, at times. I, I, I can't remember why, because it's been too long since it came out. It was when it was in theaters, and it was a bad story. I, I don't know. It was too long ago. But hey, everybody has different opinions. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but John uh, John McGinley, he can play creepy so good. If you ever get around to watching Scrubs with the wife, he can do funny like nobody's business. He's hysterical. He is great. He is one of my favorite character actors of all time. He rules. Was he in Go? Why do I have a feeling he was in Go? Maybe not. I know what you're remembering him from, and it's not Go. It is... eh, What is the name of that movie? Um, Shit. It's a Keanu Reeves movie from the 90s. I take the skin off chicken, sir. Damn, what? Point um, Break. He was in Point oh. Break. He was the FBI guy in charge of Keanu Reeves and uh, the That's other probably guy. Where, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit part, but it was so memorable, at least for me. I think that's where you know him from. I probably, yeah. But anyway, fantastic movie. Back to you. Yeah, okay. Uh, hmm. Do you want to hear about Split or The Void? Oh, wow. The Void, please. Okay, The Void. I watched this one today. Uh, I don't even... I I know you reviewed it, but I couldn't remember exactly what you thought about it. And then uh, a listener of ours messaged me on Facebook and said, you got to watch this. Please watch this. Actually, I was hoping it would pop up on the roulette. And I said, well, Eugene already watched it, and you can't put already watched movies on the roulette. But, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, so I watched it today, and I quite enjoyed it. This was a very good movie. Very weird and gory body horror-ish. I, how do you even describe this thing? Cronenberg. This was Cronenberg in his prime time. With a beautiful nod to, uh, Fulci at the end? Oh yes, very much Lucio. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a nod to the beyond. Guaranteed. I just didn't, I've been listening to horror podcasts. I didn't want to screw up my Argento Fulci thing. Yeah. Which I always tend to do, but yes, that was Fulci. 
what's not to like? I mean, the, the it's just pure horror art from beginning to end. Yeah. It doesn't waste time. It's subtle, and yet at the same time, borderline... <laughs> not exploitation, but... Um, what do you call that? Horrible hentai? Lots of oh, tentacles, tentacles and shit. Oh, yes. <laughs> yep. We oh, like our, crazy. We like they, our tentacles. Yep. Uh, they didn't. They didn't hold back from um, fucking around with pregnancy people and babies and monsters oh. guys in the mouth of madness kind of creatures yeah. coming there out was of a, the place. There was a bit of a John Carpenter feel to it as well. I think nothing not to like in this movie. I would have been a little disappointed if at the end they didn't at least show what happened in some capacity to the cop. But there was a thing at the end of the final scene was they kind of at least that you don't know what the hell happened, but you at least saw them and it was like, Oh, all right, something more. Yeah. Bring on the void too, please. And this is a, it, another thing I thought of with the uh, San Diego comic-con trailer of stranger things two coming out. This is a grown up version of stranger things. This is the way stranger things should be. I was more excited about a sequel to this than I am about Stranger Things too. Yeah, I'm glad that you liked it because I wasn't sure. I I know that it was a bit vague, like they not. It wasn't spoon fed, by the way. The plot was not spoon fed. No. I think that they. It's like okay, well, you're, some of it's left open to interpretation, but and I know you kind of like that, but uh, I wasn't. You know, some people, are, oh, it doesn't make sense, or it's like what? It it's like oh, it's just oh, gore for you know how sake. I like to say I can put the pieces together and I can figure shit out, and or at least make a couple of leaps so that I can yeah. put together a coherent story. I don't know what the fuck is going on in this movie. Doesn't matter. Don't care. Those are the bad guys over there. They're wearing white hoods with triangles, and there's a tentacle guy over here with no skin. That's yes. uh, that bad. That's the bad guy. And this is fucked up and and horrible. And there's a monster with a lot of tentacles, and it's coming in the pregnant lady, uh, dragging a yeah. dead pregnant. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't care. I don't. I don't know what's going on. And I, I did not give a shit because yeah. this was awesome. That what you said is basically rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat for the whole movie, and then crazy, weird, batshit ending. Roll credits. Done. Yeah, I'm <laughs> totally happy. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Oh, that's great. I'm happy to hear that. Yep, it's great. <laughs> Back to you. Unless okay. you have anything else to add for the void. Uh, I actually bought the Blu-ray of that, which it was not released here in the States, so I imported it. But that's one that I liked enough where I'm like, I want to watch that on Blu-ray. Eventually, it'll probably disappear from Netflix, and I want to have that in my collection because it's great. And Astron 6, I like to support those guys. So, uh, what a said whale of a, of a movie to put out as your first major... That's their first major release, No. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Father's Day was trauma, and then the editor was released through uh, like Scream self, Factory. Kind of self-released, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. So, wow. yeah, this is a... Because this one here actually played at the Cedar Lee up in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, what the fuck? Why didn't we go, dude? Oh, that would have been awesome, wouldn't oh, it? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I would have gone for... for th these are the guys. Like, I don't even like trauma movies, but if there's one coming to a theater, I'll go with you to support it. I've done that. Yeah. And, Put them on the list. I, I like these guys better than Troma. <laughs> yeah, I, I really, I, I love what these guys are doing. I mean, they started from nothing and making these weird short films. And then they they did Manborg, which was completely nuts, which got them the gig with Troma, which didn't go so hot, supposedly. And then they got a little bit more money, which they did the editor, which got them the void. So they're, I, I love to see this progression of this group of guys that are, Making good movies. Like, I haven't seen one thing from them. Editor was 
not as good, but it was still very much a worthy, like, their take on a weird giallo from Italy. Uh, so, anyway. And back to your, the, the, the true or false about CGI and practical. I mean, this had to be 95% practical. I mean, there was some light effects and shit with the triangle wall and whatnot. Yeah. And the, you know, the sky that was all gray on the other world or whatever the hell that was. That's going to yeah. be CGI. But majority of it was practical effects. And you could tell it was a low budget because it was, <clears throat> This fucked up thing happens in the house, and then they're chasing this guy, go to a hospital, Michael Myers, Halloween 2, now we're in a contained location, that trims your budget down big time, and then practical effects left and right as you unveil your story, and they're just down in the basement in corridors, but it all stayed in a location that was not moving around a lot, so you know that, that it's a low budget thing. I appreciated all of that shit, you know, until yeah. you've made your own, like, low or no budget movies, you don't have, I mean, well, maybe some people do, but you definitely have more of an eye to appreciate that kind of thing where you're using your budget wisely. Yes. And I love that. Yeah. It's not boring or lazy. It's yeah. it's intentional and it's wonderful. I loved yeah. it. That's great. a great comparison. Halloween, John Carpenter's, uh, well, he didn't direct it, uh, but Halloween 2, it starts... Uh, it starts at a house, and then there's a little bit of a chase, you know, in the town or whatever, or getting from the town to the hospital, and then we're in the hospital the rest of the movie, until the very end where we're outside for a minute or two roll credits. That is The Void. At, well, it's uh, Dawn of the Dead 2. Rest in peace, Romero. Yeah. Dawn of, did I say Dawn of the Dead 2? Uh, <laughs> Dawn of the Dead as well. <laughs> Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Yeah. It, it set in a mall. That puts you in one location. It just saves so much money and time. And, yeah, anyway. Yeah. I'm glad <sighs> you liked that. Awesome. Oh, it was great. That was great. Uh, if I saw that at an exchange store, uh, Blu-ray, that's going on my shelf. I want that in my collection. Excellent. Good to hear. Okay. So, um, are we going to touch on uh, the Blum, Blumkamp stuff tonight or not? Uh, I haven't watched any more. That's up to you. Did you? I watched them all. <laughs> well, <laughs> in texting back and forth, I, I wanted to, yes, I wanted to uh, tell our listeners in relation to last week's episode, when I reviewed uh, Zygote, yes. Eugene, you, Eugene was talking to me like he had watched part of it. He had not watched any of it. He had watched no. a different short film. Hence our confusion last episode. Sorry, everybody. Uh, these things happen. So he had... <laughs> I was talking about, like, well, did you get to the CGI monster? And you're like, no, but somebody's head explodes. And I'm like, what? I don't remember that. And we were talking about two completely different things. Yep. Well, let's wait to discuss so, that until you've seen him. Well, no, I got a better idea. Okay. You give your, your review of Zygote, and then review one more... There's three? Yes. Review one more of them? And then I will watch the rest of them, and we will just piggyback and make this Oats shit last as long as possible so we can get as many people to watch it as possible. And there's so, actually there's actually a fourth one that is a comedy that's only like three minutes long, but I watched that one as well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've only seen Zygote. So okay. tell me what you thought of Zygote, and then review another one, and we'll stop. That, that'll be it for this episode. Okay, so... After our discussion last week, I went and watched uh, Zygote. Uh, and 
my goodness, was I ever not disappointed. Everything about it was exactly like you described and even better almost. I, I loved it. I can't wait to watch it again. Uh, basically, it is, you're thrown into an already, like, it's basically, it feels like the last act of a movie is what this really is. So you're introduced to a character that you would have probably been getting to know the past hour of the movie, uh, who is, uh, really hurting and they're in some underground, uh, mine bunker thing. And there is a cyborgish type, uh, lady played by Dakota Fanning that, uh, he's giving orders to. He's had his eyes plucked out. So, uh, he can't. No, no, it w- wasn't cyborgy. She was supposedly like genetically raised. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. You're right. Uh, I stand corrected. So yeah, she's genetically. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's fine to misunderstand that because they crammed so much story into the, that scene that it was almost like you had to do detective work to figure out what the hell they were talking about. It was it was going so fast. Uh, so in short order, here's what's going on, and we have to get from point A to point B, or a uh, huge hand creature is going to kill us. Go. <laughs> it's a hand creature. Literally, oh, it is a hand creature, and it is the hand creature from hell. Because <laughs> that was a creepy-looking totally unique looking creature. I loved it. Uh, uh, the thing. Oh man. It was like, uh, yeah, there was very much an aliens slash thing feel to this movie. Short, short, 23 minutes long, but why this wasn't made into a feature length movie. I don't know. Uh, it's so good. It, and it's too fast. It's like, I, it's over before it starts. Even it feels like, and I, I give this thing a glowing review, but I think that it, I, to help me not be annoyed that it's so short, I am including the other two. I, I'm thinking this is an anthology that I'm watching here, and I'm just watching one of the short stories in this sci-fi horror thing from uh, Neil Blomkamp. So I consider this to be a part of that anthology. But I, do you think it's just because that we watch so many shitty movies on Netflix that on the roulette that most people don't even bother with? That's why we feel so angry about this. Probably. Because, like I said last week, there, there's more story in this than most of the 90-minute movies that we there watch. There is. I know. It's like, in 20-some minutes, I get I get what's going on, and the creature's awesome, the acting is good, the production values are theatrical quality. Like, this feels like something that I would pay money to see in a theater. And then all of a sudden it's over. I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> I want more. I want more of this gory hand creature thing. I hold oh, that hand and creature the, thing. The thing that I figured figured out on my own that I was hope I was like, you have to do this. Please do this. Was since it has been absorbing the other bodies, it should be able to access any of the modifiers to get into any locked door. Yes. And so it walked up there and puts a hand, one hand on. And it's a denied. And then it just rotates and puts another hand on. I was like, so cool. So So perfect. That's great. Yep. That gets huge marks from me. Uh, Someone give this guy like $40 million and a hard R rated uh, script and just go for it. I mean, obviously District 9 was a success, but uh, Chappie was good and the Elysium was eh. But man, I want him to, man, I would love for him to make an alien movie. Yeah, do something R-rated. Do your sci-fi universe R-rated. Like, do that instead of being constrict. I don't know. Maybe he's just 
in that uh, sophomore jail where yeah. District 9 was a hit. Yeah, that was a fluke, but we need to see your sophomore effort. Oh, yeah. by the way, since we're giving you 40 50 $60 million, then you have to abide by our rules and we get to say yes or no. And then hence you have Elysium and Chappie where... I mean, Chappie I loved, but I'm one of the few. Uh, and Elysium, damn. Yeah. That's, that script. Wow. Yeah. I know. Now, I did watch, there was a, a, a short, what is uh, Oat Studios? And it's like a two or three minute little promo thing that they cut together to kind of explain it. And basically, it's like, it's a first cousin to Robert Rodriguez. It's basically, hey, we want to make crazy cool shit and we're going to do it because we can. We have enough clout, enough, just enough money that we can just put together whatever we want. And that's what they're doing. And it felt kind of Robert Rodriguez-ish back in the day. You know what I mean? Yep. Oh, his yeah. Trouble, his troubleshooter. The trouble. I'm sorry. Trouble, troublemaker. 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 Yeah. So it feels kind of like that. So I take the, take it as this as kind of a new Troublemaker Studios. God bless oh, them. I love I it. am down with that. I, yep. They're still doing Troublemaker the way that they want to do it. I think he's making uh, Battle Angel Alita from like James Cameron's been too busy making Eleven Teen Avatar sequels, yeah. so he passed it off to him, and James Cameron's producing it, and letting him do it. I think that's what he's doing right now. Yeah, I want to see more stuff from from uh, Rodriguez. Man, I st- I still vote for that guy. I still I still vote for him because he's running for office. You see, it's <laughs> uh, rude. Too I still for... root for him. Yes, <laughs> me too. Me too, big time. But I I think that's what he's busy doing right now. That's why we haven't heard anything from him in a while. He's, well, he's making he's making a huge movie. Maybe, hopefully, I hope that, it, that that's the that's what he's doing. It's just sad that I re- I remember for Rodriguez when when Grindhouse came out and it was such a colossal flop. I just remember that it was that was kind of the beginning of the somewhat of a movie jail movie jail, and it sucks because he shouldn't be a movie jail. He makes good stuff for the most part. Yeah. Anyway, there we go. That, yet another rabbit trail. <laughs> oh, you're good. Uh, okay, we're we're pretty good on time. I've got a couple I think I'm going to save, because who knows when we're next going to be recording. Summertime is crazy. Coming soon, sir. Okay. Coming soon for me is, uh, what, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I recently watched the Wishmaster series, but you know what? I got the Blu-rays so that I could have them all on Blu-ray, and I haven't seen part three. The, the set was comp- ridiculously cheap. Uh, for these, by the way, which is amazing. Um, cause this has done like a Vestron video. You know, Vestron, Vestron video? Yeah. 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 Cause they have their own line of collectible Blu-rays now. And, but you actually, you borrowed one of them, the, uh, Waxwork one and two. So yeah, the Wishmaster series. Swap again. Yeah. Uh, Wishmaster series. I have not seen part three, but I'm guessing it's utter garbage. So that's going to be next on my list. And a movie called Storm Warning. Have you ever heard of a movie called Storm Warning? I have not. What is that about? Uh, that one is from 2007, and it is from director Jamie Blanks, who did uh, Urban Legend. Sounds like a porn name. <laughs> that's, Jamie, that's Jamie Gillis. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> that's Jamie Gillis. He's a porn guy. Uh, Jamie Blanks is oh. not. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, I'm serious. Jamie Gillis is a porn guy. I believe you, but why should I know that? <laughs> uh, but anyway, this is a uh, kind of a backwoods type horror movie, which I love my backwoods horror. 
and I can't wait to watch that. Um, and I actually pulled out Halloween because it's almost October. You see, oh, I'm just and, waiting. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I'm 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 always jonesing for a slasher movie, and I'm like, you know, I haven't watched the original, the original original Halloween in. Years. I don't remember the last time I watched it, and because it, it was almost one of those where movies where I came became too familiar with it to where it's like, okay, I, eh. but now I'm like, you know, it's been this many years. I think I'm ready to revisit the original Halloween. So I'm gonna try and watch that here soon. And this is not uh, coming soon. This is just a little plug for way down the road in December. I'm happy to announce that Scream Factory is releasing. Silent Night, Deadly Night. So they got their hands on the licensing for Silent Night, Deadly Night, and they're going to be doing a complete remaster of the movie. The uh, Uncut? Uncut. Supposedly, the uncut scenes are going to be remastered as well, so this is going to be legit. Expect this to be coming soon to a theater near you, because... Uh, <laughs> I, the, uh, I, I'm speechless. The, the, uh, Scream Factory... Oh, okay. This isn't yep. going to be some kind of bullshit British version. No, this is Scream Factory here in the States. They just licensed it from Anchor Bay. or Well, actually, no. Anchor Bay lost the rights to it, and it reverted back to the original owners, uh, which is... Uh, man, I'm not even sure anymore, but they got the rights to it. Bob it's gonna be a, Miller. It's gonna, it's, yeah. <laughs> Steve Miller has the rights again. Steve. Finally, Steve. <laughs> um, but it, it's going to get uh, a total collector's edition like collectible thing with all sorts of special features finally so and from what i hear uh uh what's his name just cut this out uh, steve miller <laughs> his name is steve miller i know actually unfortunately his uh, name was actually steve miller. the 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 uh the director of the quote-unquote remake yeah or his reboot, name whatever. was steven yeah. miller his name Yuck. was steven miller his name. I'm going Fight Club on you. I know, I can tell. <laughs> I can tell. You're like, uh, I can tell, and it's not funny. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Brian Wilson, who played Billy in the movie, he's been doing the... Uh... <laughs> it was like three first names you just threw at me. He's going to assassinate a president any day yeah. now. All awesome. Um, but he's been doing the convention circuit, so I can't imagine that he's not going to be on this Blu-ray in some form or another doing an interview. And uh, I... I Cannot tell you how excited I am about this, especially because it's going to be completely remastered. So I want to see this on the big screen. And I know that Fangoria did a regional release of this thing, but it was the cut version and they did remaster it. But from what I hear, the remastering wasn't that great. It was almost like the Blu-ray is meh. The Fangoria cut was better. And now we're going to get a legit, legit remaster of this movie that desperately needs it. I, I'm... Giddy, well, it's about wait. fucking time, because this movie is... Well, uh, come on. You are, like, this movie's biggest fan ever, and I've watched it, um, three times, and I'm like, this movie is amazing. I love this thing. It makes me mad that more people aren't into yeah. it, and it's, like, this is one of the greatest slasher movies ever made. It's the there's epitome so many, of, yeah. There's so many slasher movies out there that are just fucking generic garbage, and this one is a step above. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yep, I love it. I can't wait. I'm I and I was saving it for the. I know. I'm like I know that it's we're in July still, and this is we're way far away from December, but it's being released this December, and I'm like, oh yeah. Hey, so, I might get that. 
Good. That, that's saying something. Yes. Me? Like, uh, <laughs> is this going to be an extremely limited release thing where you 500 what's, copies or no, some shit? No. Well, what Scream Factory does is the initial pressing comes with a limited uh, slipcover. It's the same price, but once that stock is sold out, then it's non-slipcover. So the collectability is that first run with a slipcover, which it's a piece of cardboard. It's awesome. I I, I, hate, I don't I, care about that. I just want the. Can I have the movie uncut, yes. remastered Blu-ray? Yes. Okay. Yes, you can. All right. So, anyway, there you go. That's giddy. That's all for me. <laughs> me too, actually. That's awesome. Uh, coming soon for me. I, I know I've, I've teased it for like a, a year, but I am going to watch Snowpiercer this week. I swear to God I am. Okay. Um, there's a few other movies that I have on deck. I'm still working my way through the DC stuff. I'm almost done with Supergirl. That's going to be done this week. I only got a couple episodes left. And, uh, reviews that I have coming next week will be Split and Logan. I rewatched Logan with the wife. Excellent. Blubbering pile of tears. And she looked at me like, you, I married you. Uh, <laughs> I am married. <laughs> and she was, she, she cried her own tears just looking at me, blubbering over that movie. Anyway. I'll review that next week. Wee! Yeah. Good times. It's a good movie. Uh, and by the time this episode is out, uh, my review of Iron Master will be posted ah, on our Facebook yeah. page. Tomorrow. I tried to make it funny. Um, I hope you enjoy it. Mm. I will. I'm sure. Uh, okay, anything else to add for this episode? I think that's it. Hopefully we can record next week uh, with some more stuff that we've watched. But wow, we've packed a, we've packed it in. Yeah. Just like shunting, it's you know, yep. it's, just, it's just just fingers cramming together, greasy and, and, and sweaty, and humidity, and lots of skin rubbing, and yeah, that literally un- that literally yeah. describes movie freaks perfectly. <laughs> Until next time, ah, uh, see ya, bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening.